Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special joint podcast event where we will be discussing the burgeoning field of podcasting and epidemiology. I am Matt Fox, and I am joined by the hosts of four different epidemiology podcasts in honor of the Society for Epidemiologic Research. We are doing a crossover episode, so I believe this is the equivalent of when Laverne and Shirley went on Happy Days. So this is this is your first ever crossover episode. So we thought it'd be fun to get us all together to talk a little bit about our experiences in recording podcasts, what we think about that podcasting brings to the table for the field of epidemiology. We're releasing this during the SCR annual meeting week, hopefully to get a few more epidemiologists interested in podcasts and podcasting. And some of our shows will also be releasing this discussion as a special episode in our podcast feeds. Two of the podcasts involved in the discussion, Epidemiology Counts and Serious Epi, are official SCR podcasts. And we want to thank SCR for their sponsorship sponsorship and support of podcasting as a tool for epidemiologists. So to start off this event, I am going to hand over the mic to the MC for these, this evening, Gitika Kalu. Gitika, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and then take over and try to tame this bunch of, I don't know, <laughs> herding cats is the image that comes to mind. I will do my best. Thanks so much, Matt. So like Matt said, my name is Gitika. I'm a perinatal epidemiologist working at HealthCore, and I am delighted to emcee this meeting of the great podcast minds of our time. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of the medium, so I'm so excited to talk to each of you today. Let's get started. So I'd love to have each of you introduce yourselves and your show. And then just because the day we're recording this, the FDA was discussing the COVID vaccine. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Let's start talking about what are we going to do when it's safe to go outside again? Like, what's the first thing you're going to do? What's the first place you're going to go? I'll tell you mine last because it's ridiculous. So I want to see how cool <laughs> yours are first. I can just tell you now I'm going to I'm going to lick everything. <laughs> you okay. Matt's is more ridiculous than mine. Is that like, are you, is this a new That's hobby your co -host post COVID? <laughs> no, no, this has always been a hobby of mine. Yeah. And now I just feel like I haven't been able to engage for a while. <laughs> I don't think we can talk anymore, Matt. I'm so gross. I feel right like now. that as an epidemiologist, that just seems like not advisable. You guys, yeah. his immunity, his immunity is really good. Why don't we start with Matt and Haley first? Why don't you guys tell us about your podcast? I will not be licking surfaces in the outside world when COVID is over. Um, but I am Haley Bannock, and I am an epidemiologist and a faculty member at the University at Buffalo. And I work on the podcast Serious Epi with Matt Fox. And it is about as nerdy as it gets in the podcast world. And we discuss epi methods and all sorts of random epi-related topics. You know, trying to get a little bit deeper with some experts about what are these methods actually talking about? How do I implement it? You know, you read things and you hear about different topics, but sometimes you just don't really get it until you hear someone, an expert, explain it to you. So, so that's where we are coming from with our podcast. Haley, what are you going to do when, you, when you're when you done, when you're covid -ed? Oh, I have nothing funny. I'm going to go visit my family in Canada. <laughs> that's... It's been so long. I haven't seen my siblings in a year. I mean, oh, it's it's oh. been a really, yeah, it's, it's kind of a depressing way to start off. I, I wish I was going to go out into the world and lick things, but that's just not something <laughs> I'm capable of. Matt, anything to add? Well, no, I would say just that it's been a real pleasure to host this podcast with Haley over the past, what, how long? It's been about a year. And it's just been a, an opportunity to get to know a lot of methodologists within epidemiology and to learn more about what's going on in the in the field. I feel like it's a bit of a secret between Matt and I that I'll, I'll share with all of you that really we do this podcast because we want to learn more and you all think it's for you, but really <laughs> it's for us. And that's part of the Jedi mind trick. I guess I've shared it with you, so it's no longer a mind trick. However, you've, I hope you've said too much. I've said, said too, much, too much, but I hope you all enjoy <laughs> learning along with us because that's part of the coolest part. I actually feel like super excited in the most nerdy way after recording every single episode. I'm like, I'm going to do instrumental variables. I'm going to do mediation analysis because everything is so cool when you learn about it. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much. Brian, can you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yes. Hi, I'm Brian James. I 
I am associate professor and epidemiologist at Rush University Medical Center here in Chicago. And I'm the host of Epidemiology Counts. Our podcast is intended actually for a lay public. It's intended to bring medical research and epidemiologic research to the general public. So rather than having to rely on the filter of say the media, we have researchers talk directly to people in terms that they can understand about a topic that we find interesting. I'm the only host because I have a co-host for every episode and we rotate co-hosts so that we can give epidemiologists the chance to be on the podcast and, and learn a thing or two, ask questions. And then we have an expert on whatever topic we're, we're talking about. And we've actually done, I think our most well-listened to episodes, no surprise, are on the coronavirus, on COVID-19. The first one we did was back in January and there were 11 cases of COVID in the entire United States. And I was asking super naive questions like, is this going to be bigger than the flu? You know, all this. <laughs> And they were like, yeah, yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> it's just really interesting to hear that has evolved over six episodes, but I really, really enjoy it. It's a perfect podcast for me to host because I'm not as smart as all the other people on this. I'm not sure I can't talk about instrumental variables at a de deep level, but for whatever reason, I'm able to take complicated research topics and, and make them so that like my mom or dad can understand what, what we're talking about. And that's, that's how I talk about science. So just a point of, of clarification for Brian, it's the fact that I don't understand understand what the experts are talking about allows me to ask questions to unravel the mysteries so let's well break. it's not a competition but it is uh, definitely it something is a well Ryan, i'm gonna tell you that translating science to the public is a probably a more important skill than understanding a lot of the other stuff so it is a competition it is always a competition so Brian, I got to tell you about that first episode that you did on COVID. I did a, a BBC interview like the day before that. And they asked me about COVID and I said, you know, I, I really kind of think we're going to contain this. I think we've got the <laughs> public health structures in place. And then I, I heard your interview with Justin and I went, oh no, I got to call them back. <laughs> Hello, BBC? This is Matt Fox. <laughs> I'd like to correct what I said. I'd like to revise my testimony. <laughs> and everyone should panic. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, I personally love talking to experts on a field that I know nothing about. And I learn so much every single episode. It's fantastic. So again, it is a selfish thing for me as well, because man, I've learned so much just doing this for a year or two. And um, okay, the last question was, what am I going to do when I get vaccinated? Well, I will tell you, I live here in Chicago and we have the most amazing restaurants and they're all shut down. It's been the biggest bummer of, oh, there's a lot more bummers than that, obviously, but it is a mild bummer. But man, I am going to go hit those Chicago restaurants hard. Single-handedly bring back the restaurant in. I hear you. <laughs> I'll help you. Awesome. Lucy? Hi, I'm Lucy D'Agostino McGowan. I am an assistant professor at Wake Forest University, and I co-host Casual Inference with Ellie Murray. And we, we, I sort of like uh, what Brian was saying. We also try to bring the causal inference field to a general public level, although I think our listenership probably skews more towards epidemiologists and statisticians than the general public. But our aim is to make things casual and easy to understand for generally uh, questions that involve any kind of causation, but in epi and biostat and data science. And I'm the only one here not an epidemiologist. I'm like a, I'm a poser. I'm a biostatistician by training, so my PhD's in biostat, which is like, I think that's like... And that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked with lots of epidemiologists, so that I really enjoy working on... It's nothing to be embarrassed about. We're, we are going to talk about you behind your back when this is over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 100%. Hold on. Uh, shall I set up the breakout room? Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is not the probably the first thing I'll do because I would want like a certain level of vaccine compliance before I'd feel comfortable doing this. But we've canceled two Disney trips since this all started. And so I am very oh. excited to get back to Disney World, although uh, I expect it might take a little second to feel comfortable. In For sure. But that's a that's a good first trip afterwards. We had my daughter like up on, she knew her, like all of the characters. We were supposed to go March 9th through the 13th. Ooh. So it was right. Like oh literally God. <laughs> we made the decision the day before not to go uh, because things were just starting to shut down. And, and it turned out Disney closed like three or four days into what would have been our trip. But yeah, that will be my post COVID adventure. Awesome. Thank you. And last but not least, Lisa Bodner. Hi. Thanks for including me. I'm the only one that's not like a really nerdy podcast. In this What's crowd. that supposed to mean? <laughs> Whatever. Lisa, I was going to make a cool girl cold shoulder joke, but I'll let it lie. Different kind of nerdy, maybe? 
Yeah. I mean, isn't it peak nerd for you not to realize that you're a nerd? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like a very meta level of nerdiness. Yeah, I'm like 100% nerd, but the show is a little less nerdy than like what I really am in real life. Okay, fair. Okay. Are we allowed to sit at the cool kid table? Yeah, man, you're here. Okay. You've right. been on my show, dude. Fair enough. So I host this show called Shiny Epi People. Abby Diaz came up with that name. I didn't. And it's a show basically where I say personal beats professional heart over smart lol beats wtaf like yeah (laughs) basically it's a show that shows that epidemiologists are real people it attempts to humanize us and we talk not much about science at all we just talk about people's lives and we laugh a whole lot and where are you going after COVID's over? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to have a huge party at my house. And I'm going to invite all my friends. And I'm going to let all my kids invite all of their friends. And it's going to be chaos. And we'll be like super close together and coughing and breathing on each other. <laughs> and then I'm going to go dancing. Like, yo, I've never danced before. 80s night. I will be dancing my little booty off when this is all over. We're missing the Lisa Bodner dance party at SCR this week. I know. We're going to have to, we're gonna have to double up next <laughs> I don't know if I can handle two nights of Lisa Barney. (laughs) One night, but double the intensity. Double the intensity? I don't even know what that would look like. I don't think we would survive. I don't think we want to know what that would look like. Would you invite Matt to that with his licking sprees? (laughs) We'll be vaccinated. He can lick whatever he wants. Lick it, Matt. Well, Lisa's going to be coughing on people. I'm not really sure which is worse, to be the one coughing on others or to be licking other surfaces. It's like a would you rather. (laughs) I just want to say that as the only non-epidemiologist here, I'm horrified at this conversation. (laughs) I support all of these post-COVID adventures. I wish you all the best, and I'm coming to every party. (laughs) (laughs) Not Matt's licking party. I'm not going to. Yeah. That's a solo adventure. That's a solo adventure. <laughs> awesome. So I guess my first question for you guys, it's almost become like a catchphrase in conversations with friends, right? Like people are just like, we should start a podcast. But you guys actually did it, right? Like you went and you took the leap and you created something. So I want to know a little bit more about like what made you want to do a podcast about the topic that you're podcasting about but also like was there like a moment was there a push what led to the inception of your podcast and let's go in reverse order this time why don't we start with Lisa yeah I think my podcast is the baby the baby one of the group I've only been on for four months or you have the most episodes (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot that are ready to go to So I had been thinking about it for a while, and um, what pushed me over the edge was actually being on Matt's other podcast. He invited me on as a guest, and I was incredibly nervous, and I thought I was going to throw up ahead of time, and I kept saying, like, Matt, I'm really worried. What if I say something stupid? And I just kept saying that over and over again, and leading up to it, I was like, my stomach hurts, (laughs) and then I was on the show, and it was like, oh, that was really fun. Like, that was just fine. We had a good time. We laughed a lot, and no big deal. Um, And so then after that, it was like, Matt, I think I want to do the thing that we talked about. And so he sort of coached me and gave me a really good pep talk. And it came at a time during COVID where we had been home long enough that I was bored, though very busy, you know, that weird busy board. And one of the things that like feeds my soul more than anything is to meet people and connect with people and connect other people with people. And so I'm not good at a lot of things, but one of the things I think I'm good at is providing a safe space for people to feel like they can be themselves and share parts of themselves. And I wanted to put a little joy into the world given how bad things are right now and honestly just like Haley was saying like you guys did this for yourself like I purely did this for myself I was like if four people listen awesome I get to do this for me because I just knew that I needed it so much yeah and I just felt like we need to understand who these scientists are like we aren't just these one-dimensional characters like we are real people and we struggle with basically all the same things like let's just get it out there and we can see that these people aren't intimidating or perfect in any way shape or form i mean i think that's so awesome glad you I, started I, your podcast I was... 
Thank you. Same. And as I feel like I speak for junior people across the board, like it's lovely to hear people kind of further along here, you know, tell their stories. Lucy, how about you? Well, while Lisa was talking, I was scrolling back through my messages with Ellie to see if I could find when I first reached out to her and I found the message, but (laughs) it was May 6th, 2019. But I had the idea I think first came, well, I said, I have an idea for a podcast called Casual Inference, which you have any interest in co-hosting. So the name, name, I think I first came up with it. Yes, I think that's what happened. I came up with a name and I was like, (laughs) and um, (laughs) Ellie was, you know, she's so good at statistical or kind of epi communication, science communication in general. And so she seemed like a good person to sort of co-host this. um, But Bradley, I enjoy the medium of podcasting, kind of similar to what Lisa was saying. I think it's really nice to have that long form ability to just sort of be able to talk uh, about different topics and you know to me it doesn't feel as scary as even tweeting or things that can be taken out of context because you have the whole context of the conversation to be to hold it in and so that was interesting to me and then the original idea was that we would interview kind of prominent people in the causal inference field which is what we've been able to do so far so kind of as Haley was saying before it's like fun to get to talk to people that that are doing really cool work and so that obviously motivated it but it sort of worked out well because right when I had asked Ellie she had just joined AJE as a associate editor or social media and they were looking for other medium to be able to communicate with their uh, audiences and so we ended up kind of linking up with them and making a partner podcast so that's how we started that's awesome thank you brian how about you yeah well you know i did not come up with the idea actually enrique schisterman our former ser president and now the uh, head editor of aje was actually the one who birthed the idea of epidemiology counts and actually one day sent an email was it two ser's ago matt i think mm-hmm. to Mm-hmm. Matt and I and said, hey, can I meet with you for lunch? And I swear I thought I was in trouble. I, I really, <laughs> literally was like, what did I do? I know the Bodner dance party was the night before. <laughs> I, I was Ryan, okay. I do have a lot of photos of you from Ooh, that night. <laughs> I know you do. That, and literally, I think I received one of the photos when he sent me the email saying, you know, can I meet you for lunch? And I was <laughs> but luckily he was um for whatever reason i know why he asked matt to be there but i still don't know and i've been meaning to ask enrique what he saw in me as someone to lead this initiative matt obviously made sense because he has so much experience hosting podcasts and just so charming and engaging and oh, thank um, you. He, oh, thank matt you. was the original host of epi counts and handed the reins over to me we, we uh, were about co-hosts. a year into it we co-hosted well no we weren't well we co-hosted a couple right 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 but you you were the official host but then you know matt and Haley wanted to start serious epi and, and talk about more uh epi heavy topics and so the reins were passed to me and i think that's kind of how enrique was was envisioning this happening but anyways regardless of why enrique chose me i think that he chose someone who believes in the reason for this podcast very much and maybe he knew that which is that the idea is that i said a little bit that, about this in the beginning that we often communicate health research to the general public through the media that's really the only outlet that we have. I mean, but we don't expect the people in our families or our friends to read scientific articles, right? So they're not going directly to the source and, and being able to read abstracts or whatever. So really the way that they learn about science is through the media. Every now and then we're lucky enough to get interviewed and say what we want to say. But as Matt said in the beginning, sometimes you say what you don't want to say, or you find out information later that makes you wish you could go back and, and say, geez, I only had 30 seconds there. I wish I could have like switched what I wanted to say. Or you say exactly what you want to say and then they put some headline on it that's like completely off the topic or sensationalizing what you actually wanted to say in a more nuanced way as a scientist. So the idea is that if we had an hour, cover a topic and and talk to an expert and ask questions in a way that you, if you listen to it, you'd really, by the end of it, understand the nuance and, and have a, a message about whatever the topic is, um, climate change. You know, how does climate change affect our health? I think we all kind of have an idea, but we, but like actually listen to an expert that dedicates their life to doing this research really opens your eyes to what's going on. So I've talked long enough, but that, that's the idea of EpiCounts. And that, that was the idea Enrique had. And I'm so glad to carry that on. And hopefully we can keep it going. And anyone listening, if you have ideas for topics going forward for EpiCounts, seriously, email me. I would love to hear them. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. And I think Enrique picked the right people for that. Haley and Matt, do you want to talk a little bit about how you came around to Sirius Epi? 
Serious Epi came about because Haley had hosted one of the episodes of Epi Counts. She and I had done one together, and I got the sense right away that she would be a, a good co-host. And she and I were both interested in in doing something that was a bit more methodsy. So I, as you mentioned, I have another podcast. I've been doing a little bit of podcasting already. I have a list of like 10 ideas for other podcasts that I want to start if I just had the time. But I, I like podcasting because it, it satisfies two things that for me, which is, or this particular podcast does anyway, which is number one, I am an introvert who likes to get to know people. And so it's a way to talk to people who I would never have a reason to have a conversation with otherwise. And, you know, I'm not the kind of person who's just going to walk up to somebody, you know, at a meeting and strike up a conversation. So this is, you know, it's a really nice way to do that, including with Haley, my co-host, who I've gotten to know really well and have really enjoyed that. The other thing is I really enjoy Epi Methods, but I I wouldn't uh, consider myself a methodologist. I I don't think I have the the chops for that, but I I teach a fair bit of methods and I get asked questions all the time by students that I don't always know the answers to. And so if I, I thought if we, you know, if I could have a podcast in which I could ask people who know this stuff inside and out, all the questions that are asked of me and I don't know the answer to, then I could potentially presumably become better at answering those questions and actually understand this stuff myself. And it's stuff that I find fascinating. So it was just a bunch of things coming together that seemed like it would be really fun to do. And it absolutely has been. Haley, what would you add? Yeah, that's, that's a lot of what I enjoy about it also. I think also I love teaching. I love teaching others about these topics that I, I'm so interested in. And sometimes when you're teaching in real life, it's really easy to get bogged down in the nitty gritty, like how do I upload this lecture and the students can't download their assignment and Excel spreadsheets for marks. And, and this is a way for me to try to share some of my love for these topics in a way that is less cumbersome, I guess, than regular teaching. And I really just have so much fun having these conversations with Matt and our guests. You know, it's, again, I feel like I'm coming off a little bit selfish right now, but it's, it's I'll just keep saying it again. It's, it's really enjoyable. It's fun to do this. And I think, you know, I, I can kind of get the sense from everyone's answers that all of us enjoy doing this, which is what motivates us to, to keep going. If we hated it, we probably wouldn't host a podcast okay fine fair whatever selection bias over there <laughs> Ooh, i was waiting for someone to bring a bias in this conversation <laughs> obviously it's me i'm clearly the geekiest one on the podcast <laughs> i would have put money on matt actually oh. well that's why we're co-hosts i am the fonz of our podcast come on now i'm laverne I, I could get that because firstly guys i don't even know these characters you're talking about like matt we are too old. Matt, this is totally dating us. I was waiting. When somebody said crossover episode, I was like, oh, I was on me. Avengers. <laughs> okay. Yes. So something from mid 90s would have would have worked a little bit better. <laughs> it's um, like when Seinfeld and Friends crossed over. There you go. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. There was a Seinfeld's Friends crossover? Never. Seinfeld, Seinfeld would, would never degrade them. Jinx, Brian. <laughs> no, sorry. There was there was a Seinfeld appearance on Mad About You. Okay. But you're right. There was no Seinfeld oh, Friends okay. crossover. We have completely derailed at this point. <laughs> That's what's great. Okay, so you guys have told us a lot about like what you love about Epi podcasting, and that's what we love to hear. You know, we can all t- we can all hear it when we listen to your podcast. But what are some of the challenges? What are some of the limitations of this medium of kind of trying to convey this information in this way? And I'd really like to ask Haley and Lucy, as kind of the more junior members of this group, does it impact how you think about your career? Right, like Matt. Lisa, Brian are a little bit more established. So like, do you sometimes hold yourself back or are afraid to make a mistake because it's recorded? It's it's on the record. <laughs> Most of us with tenure can say whatever we want. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the rumor, Brian. I don't know. <laughs> it's such a good question. I but I feel like and Haley, I maybe you'll feel differently. I don't I don't feel any pressure in terms of the content. I think that it might be because, you know, so mine's casual inference, it's not super hard to be able to not say things that are totally not outlandish. Like it's pretty easy like it's my I feel very comfortable in the content area anyway so I don't feel like worried in that regard I think the concern especially as someone pretty junior is the time commitment and so kind of making sure that I am 
balancing that with my research agenda and everything else. But Lucy, could you tell us a little bit more about the time commitment? Like, yes. could you share? Well, I was I was just going to say that we the best part, something that's just been a recent change has really helped with this. But so the actual recording is not so much of a time commitment. That's like, you know, an hour or two every other week. And even the like scheduling of guests is like, is okay. And because, you know, Ellie and I feel pretty comfortable in the content, so we don't really have to do very much prep, which is also nice. So that part, not bad at all. The thing that takes a lot of time is the editing, at least for us, that was a really big trying to get all the different like tracks together. And we have a lot of sound effects and whatever. We'd like had made it a little difficult for ourselves. So the editing <laughs> was the part that was the most cumbersome, but we actually recently changed it. We pay an editor now. And so we don't do any of our own editing. And that has been a fabulous change. That's only been for the past couple months that we've done that, but we love it. We use the same editor that, so I think that Matt is the godfather of podcasting in the epi world. And in the statistics world, Roger Pang is our, our podcasting godfather. He's got a lot of great podcasts and lots of podcasting knowledge. And so we use the same editor that he uses for his podcast. And it's been a very welcome change. And so I think I've come to find as a junior person in general, that if you can buy time that you should do that, that's a good use of money. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with, with much of, of what you're saying. I, podcasting is really hard because it is very constant. You can't like procrastinate to some degree because you have to release an episode. You have to get something done. So I agree completely that it's not the recording or the prep or anything like that. But I also have to say that I don't pay an editor. My fabulous editor is Matt Fox and he does an enormous heavy lift <laughs> to do our editing. Matt, we should start to pay someone by the way. But yeah, so podcasting in teams is enormously helpful, I think, for, for those who have or want that option. The other thing that I don't know how others would feel, maybe Lucy, this resonates with you, but I don't do podcasting in any way for credit, but it would be nice to have a section on your CV where some of these... It's on mine. Yeah, so I guess I could do that. I, and I, w- I, I will in my next revision, I suppose, do that. But it doesn't hold weight in the same way that traditional right. metrics do. And I, I often feel the same way about Twitter. Like on a daily basis when I'm like barely treading water right now to read tweets and write witty things and retweet really important things. It all takes time. Yeah. And I just wish there were better ways that we could, not that everyone deserves credit for everything that they do, but for some activities as we move forward and, and technology changes, how we communicate changes, it's important, especially for us junior folks, to get credit for time that we spend on these more science communication type topics. So that's my soapbox for the moment. It feels like what you're saying, Haley, I mean, I totally agree with this, that like, it feels like this is a form of service and form of teaching, you know, for you guys who are teaching content that yeah. we need to start recognizing. We need to start because they're going to be just more and more of these types of things that are coming our way. And for people who are junior, like the time that you're doing all of that, you could be doing other things. You could be writing and you're not. And, you know, you want to have a balanced life. So it's not like every second that you're not doing your work, you're doing the pod. Lisa but, must so be because she's got 50 episodes. <laughs> well, I am. Wait, you're not? But <laughs> I'm not, Matt might be, but I am definitely not. <laughs> Lisa, you have 50 episodes or however many it is that you have edited in a way that just blows my mind. I mean, I do my best to edit ours. And actually, one of the things that I have learned through this process of, of editing our podcast is I know both Haley and my verbal, yes, whatever things that we rely on, pauses that we make, ways in which I say the same word twice often. <laughs> I noticed, Matt, I noticed that when I was editing you. Yep. I do. I do. And it's it's like you just you get to know these things and then so then you can't unhear them. So now when I'm talking in front of a, you know, bunch of students who, you know, I feel like I can say um and pause in front of, I feel very self-conscious about it now, which I never did before. So I'm sorry, Matt, did I make you feel worse? I didn't mean to. I was just joking. No, no better. You made me feel better. But I do have to say, Lisa, you your editing skills are unbelievable. Thank you. The benefit of being bored in a pandemic, mm-hmm. learning a new skill, I think was just like, oh, I can figure this out. You know, unfortunately, trying to learn to not be so much of a perfectionist. But I was like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do this right. <laughs> like, I'm going to make it happen. And also, I've been super committed to like 25 to 30 minute episodes. And I can't record that short because so much of what I'm doing with people is like getting to know them. And many people start out a little bit uncomfortable. And so it's 
it takes little time for a lot of like academics to get out of their shell and that just means that you know sometimes I record I record for like two hours sometimes mm-hmm. some Gitaka I was on the phone with her for like three hours yeah she also talked to my husband like it was yeah. a very long conversation <laughs> yeah. yeah well you know you just never know what's going to end up being like the gems of the of the show and so and it's only me wow. you know it's a one lady show over here so for me the the time you know my kids are you know a little older I can I have a little bit more freedom at this point I'm not as worried you know I have my grants I can get my work done um, I'm not as worried and this has like become a hobby it's a crazy amount of time mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a crazy amount of time to keep up with like the social media and the yes. like reaching out to people and connecting with people and talking to them ahead of time and you know and I really really want and Gitika maybe we'll talk about this later I would like to talk about bringing in diverse voices yeah. into the podcast and unfortunately that like takes effort which it shouldn't right we kind of see the same crop of white people all over the place and so digging in and you know I'm learning a lot from the whole thing for sure I definitely want to take some time to talk about diversity in this field but I would love to hear actually from you specifically Lisa because yours is so personal do you ever wonder or reflect on like how it'll affect your professional interactions or your career has never been worried about <laughs> I don't think that I worry about it. Okay. There are times when, you know, like someone in my department, they'll say something and I'm like, oh my God, do they know about my podcast? Like, <laughs> I hope to God they do not know about my podcast. I don't want to deal with that. But, you know, I get my work done. I'm tenured. I have a lot of privilege and my privilege grants me the opportunity to not just be very relatable, but to swear, to talk about adult themed things. And also my podcast, unlike, some of you guys like it's not affiliated with anything right like nobody is telling me what I should and shouldn't do and so you know we can have a drink and say the f word and do whatever we want in that moment and I like that freedom to be able to like define it as it goes I think we enjoy hearing that as well Matt and Brian, anything to add? Uh, well, one thing I will say, I will be remiss to not say, because we were talking about our editors, shout out to Sue Bevan for the ama- amazing work she does producing and editing the Epi Counts podcast. I definitely could not do it myself. I and mean, what you all are doing with the editing, I don't know how to do any of that. <laughs> and so that's all Sue. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so definitely. I- yes, I would also just like to jump in and just say how great Sue Bevan is. And mm-hmm. I think everyone on this podcast and in SCR, she needs to win some kind of giant award. I don't even know. We need to make an award to give to Sue because she just is so amazing. I am in awe of how much Sue Bevan balances. And I just, I want her to get the credit she deserves for the enormous amount of work that she does. But sorry for jumping in, Brian. Thank you for for saying that. No, you said what I wish I had said as eloquently. So thank you. But yeah, no, but just going back to, I mean, I don't know if we've moved on from this topic, but I just wanted to say quickly for me, the hardest part is the scheduling. You know, for us, we do a different topic every time. I mean, you know, we want to keep things interesting and we want to keep coming up with topics that are going to get people listening and and you get four or five and you're like yeah we got this till the end of the year and then all of a sudden you do the four and five and you're like i'm kind of the well's dry now you know (laughs) we Mm. need someone to come up with a topic here (laughs) and we got to have an expert that knows what they're talking about that's fun and interesting to talk to about this topic so that that's the hardest part for me yeah, I suppose I would just say that your question earlier was, do you worry about the things you say? I, uh, yeah, the answer is yes, I, I probably do, but I let it go because I probably say stupid things all the time and this is just on a bigger scale. But, you know, I do think that it is a lot of work. It is a lot of effort and it takes a lot of creativity. And so if you're, you know, if you're someone junior and you're thinking about starting up a podcast, you have to be aware that it's going to take a fair amount of time. On the other hand, I mean, there are, you know, we've talked about so many of the benefits and the, and the rewards that we personally get out of doing it, it also certainly does increase your visibility. I mean, more people Mm -hmm. are going to know who you are and be aware of you. And that's going to filter over into being aware of your work, hopefully, depending on what your podcast is about. And I I have said for a couple years now that I would love to hear a podcast that was done by doctoral students talking about what it's like to be a a doctoral student going through an EPI program and just try to understand that process more. So it just seems to me that there are definitely time pressure and it's a lot of work, but it's also a, it's a lot of fun and there are a lot of benefits. And to riff on that, the, the benefits of being visible and known, you know, in the field, you can't discount
discount that. I actually just taught a class on social media and research and trying to convince a bunch of students that tweeting, you know, might be good for your career as opposed to bad for it. And podcasting might be good for your career. You know, and I think a good example is take Lucy and Ellie, for God's sake. Like you guys have thousands of Twitter followers. Like there is no way that that's bad for your career. <laughs> I mean, like to have that many people know who you are, follow you, hear what you have to say, value what you have to say. If anyone's going to tell me that's not good for your career, I, I just say baloney, you know, that, that can't be true. So, you know, with all of that listenership comes responsibility and power and all of that. So I think it, it can be indirectly good for your career. It definitely takes away from the time you have to write grants or write papers. But when you walk into a room at a conference or whatever, it's much more likely someone's going to know who you are right? And that goes a long way. I was going to say there's creative ways to weave it into your kind of research agenda as well. Kind of before doing this, just science communication is something I was generally interested in. And so I have kind of an arm of my research that's specifically on looking at methodology for best communicating uncertainty. For example, I have a study I just ran with one of my students where we randomized people to seeing different ways that uncertainty was kind of uh, communicated and how they reacted to it. And so I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's also ways as a junior person to, if this is like something you're interested in science communication in general, I think there are ways to integrate it into your research agenda so you can get the academic credit that people are used mm -hmm. to seeing. Yeah, a good example of that, Berta Hidalgo, who's on my show, you know, she is this social media Instagram phenom. And she has a grant now from the American Heart Association to use social media to influence her followers and communicate science. And so it's a really cool way of bringing those two worlds together. I think just like to put a little bit of like terminology, this requires a level of vulnerability. There is a risk in doing this, no matter who you are. And I think that it's hard, whatever stage you are, there's just a level of vulnerability in doing this. You're putting yourself out there for critique, for adoration, for then to people come back and, you know, want to cancel you or like, you know, whatever this is, like there is something to that. And I think it's just worth thinking about like how comfortable you are with that level of vulnerability. Yeah. And to kind of dovetail off that point, Lisa, my next question for you guys was going to be, Matt brought it up. You know, there's a lot of junior people, even more junior potentially than Haley and Lucy, postdocs, PhD students. <laughs> people that don't know who Laverne and Shirley are. There's people that don't even know who friends. Those exist. <laughs> We're talking about like first year PhD students born in like 94 or something. Before first year PhD students, there's a lot of people too. But yes, sorry, keep going with your question. No, I was just going to say, so I kind of count myself in that group still, I think, because I'm very, very junior. And we would love, I think, some of us to start a podcast to get those eyes, like Brian was saying, to get that visibility in a mm -hmm. conference or whatever. But Ellie and Lucy maybe had the following before they started the podcast or Matt, Brian, Haley, Lisa, you guys are kind of, you know, you might not want to say it yourselves, but I'll say it. you guys are bigwigs in our field, right? Like you have that voice on Twitter, like I follow all of you guys. I take all what you say seriously. What tips would you have for those of us who only have like 300 followers, 200 of them are our high school classmates? <laughs> like, what do we do? And where do we go? Right? Like Matt apparently has 20 ideas that I need him to email me immediately after this. But where do you think the gaps are? Where do you think the junior people fit in? Are you going to include junior people in your podcast? I know that's a lot of questions. I mean, but like I'll kind just of a... kind of start out by saying that I think that having a diverse range of voices is critical and that our the voice from us is not diverse enough and I have tried to kind of start that a little bit not that I do it in any way shape or form perfectly or I'm just trying to kind of begin you know including junior people allowing their voices to be heard including kind of a diverse range of voices and so I think that that's like a major priority that all of us need to be thinking about bringing more people in that Gitika your question about like 300 followers or 36 followers or having no presence on Twitter I think that there are ways of increasing presence and you just need a really good idea in order to get a podcast going, I think. So I used the word junior before, but I'm not, I'm actually not a big fan of the word junior. I actually think uh, early career is a better word. And I say that not because there's anything wrong with the word one way or the other, but because in my experience, those of us who are later in their career have built up some experience. You know, we know certain things about the way that the world functions that we were operating in, but I'm pretty behind on my, you know, understanding of the most current 
current methods. And I count on my you know colleagues who are just coming out of their their programs to educate me on that stuff. Which is to say, you know, I think there's no reason why somebody who is brand new is, as a doctoral student, as a assistant professor, whatever, to start off doing something and feel confident that they could put something out into the world that is is communicating about science, epidemiology, whatever it is. In terms of getting your name out there, I would say, I think probably actually it would be a good idea to find somebody to mentor you or to, to partner with you. I mean, I don't have it in me to do a, I have all these ideas, but I don't have it in me to do another podcast, but I would love to help somebody else who wants to, to talk about what we've learned in doing it and how to actually, you know, try to market it to get other people to be aware that it's out there and to listen to it. And my sense is that's, you know, how these things take off is by word of mouth. And so, you know, having somebody to help you with it seems like the the way to go. So more than happy to, to do that. I think, well, I'm sure that Matt's 20 ideas are all really excellent ideas. I feel like the, um, <laughs> I feel like where you'll find success in trying to, both in just general science communication and if you wanted to start a podcast, if you had something that like you yourself are already passionate about, which maybe would align with what Matt's ideas are. But I think that what I've noticed on, kind of on Twitter and just in general is that people who are talking about something that they love to talk about are the ones that end up eventually kind of attracting a lot of followers. Mm-hmm. And obviously mm-hmm. there's a lot of other things that go into that. But if you have something that you're already really excited about, it's much easier to be able to cultivate an audience that can get excited about it with you. And so I think that that would be a big piece is that for folks that are interested in doing this kind of at any level, I think if you can identify something that you love to talk about, that you get excited about sharing with other people, I think it becomes much easier. People can see that. Like I think people on social media, people can tell I think a little bit about like who's just trying to garner followers and who actually is talking about something they love. And I think give you a great example of that. Yes, Haley, Haley last year, or was it two years ago, asked me for advice on how to start a Twitter account. You know, yes, no, it was more than that. We were co-hosting a panel at SCR on using Twitter and I did not have a Twitter account. Correct. Wait, how did that happen? I was on a committee or something. I, I volunteer for everything. Everyone, anyone needs help. Just send me an email. I'm, I'm going to help you out. So, help you out. so I'm giving her all this advice. So no, you got to do this. You got to have a brand, you know, blah, blah, blah. She posts this passionate statement on, I think it was actually about compassion in research, wasn't it? Right? Um, kindness. In peer review. Yeah. Kindness in peer review or something like that. Yeah, kindness in yeah. peer review. And this woman had a thousand. I know. I was like, Brian, how do I get the computer to stop notifying me? It's dinging. I can't, I can't do work. Is it normal that your phone won't stop? Right. <laughs> I didn't have it on my phone. I was using Twitter on desktop. Don't ask me, ask Haley how to do this. But I think it was exactly that. She posted on something that she felt strongly about that resonated with a lot of people. And lo and behold, it just took off. I was going to tell the exact same story that Brian taught me everything I I know to get started on Twitter. That's not the moral of the story. No, it really, I was like, life is so busy. I cannot handle one more thing. Like I do not need to spend my time on more social media. I can waste my own time doing other things. And Brian convinced me that there is a legitimate reason why as an early career investigator, you need to get your presence known and share your views. And there are days where I find it too much. Like I just don't have time for this. And then you don't have to engage. But on days where you want to share something that really irked you or you're really proud of or super exciting that the COVID vaccine is, is getting approved. You know, there's a lot of things and you can share it with a community that is so broad and so far beyond your little community that you operate in on a daily basis. So it really takes no skill at all. If I can do it, everyone can just create a Twitter handle and start exploring. Like what are some folks that you're interested in and whose voices do you want to amplify and, and where can you learn new things and and so it's it's more about experimenting on twitter and getting your feet wet and then you'll build it up over time you don't start out with three thousand followers or i don't know however many fancy people have but you know other i mean you did no i didn't start out with that many followers (laughs) most people don't start with three thousand followers in a day 
Um, but, the, but the other cool thing though about, about podcasting and tweeting is it's the great equalizer. This is what I've been trying to tell people is that Geetika, you're asking about being a junior person. You can actually engage with experts on any topic. You can, you totally. know, I mean, in a way that is much less um, natural to do at a conference, for example. Like, sure. you know, I mean, Matt was giving the example of um, even if you're an extrovert, like I am, it is still really awkward to go up and talk to your idols <laughs> at a conference and say, hey, can I talk to you? I'm a junior person and whatever. And I, I love what you do. And sometimes they want to talk to you, but sometimes they don't. But I mean, if you if you send a tweet to them, if you ask them to appear on your podcast and they have time for it, it's just such a more natural way, I feel like, to engage with people than um, some of these outlets we have, like like scientific networking at conferences. Yeah, I got my postdoc through Twitter. I, I had probably less than 200 followers. I didn't have, I, w- I had just started using Twitter and Jeff Leak had posted something about a Shiny app he developed. And I commented that it needed this other feature. And he was like, well, why don't you make that feature? And I was like, okay. And so, <laughs> and so my friend Nick and I made it. And then he offered for just both postdocs like the next day. <laughs> All right. Real life success story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I do want to go back to, before we wrap up, uh, something that Lisa touched upon, which is diversity in voices that we listen to and kind of what you as podcast hosts and like prominent podcast hosts in our Epi community are doing or planning on doing to promote that diversity, right? Because we can all tweet about what we're passionate about and all that stuff. But there's some level of getting that voice heard, racist tendencies, whatever you want to call it. But some voices don't get heard, whether it's differently abled, LGBTQ, race associated things. So what are we doing as a community especially in this podcast world to counteract those issues whoever wants to take that up i know this is something that matt and i have have talked about in our gathering quote experts to to be on our show and and really i have to say from my perspective of this experience is that it takes work and investment in time to amplify and invite diverse voices to be part of the podcast that we put together it is i would say potentially easier to just you know select a couple people but if you really want to make make an effort you have to invest time and find folks that have different experiences one of my most favorite quotes from our podcast if I can quote our own podcast (laughs) is when we had Whitney Robinson on and she said something like you don't even know the perspectives you're missing until you hear those perspectives and it's a pretty simple thing that she was saying but it's it's so astute and so right on I was like, yeah, that is the the whole crux of why it's important to find those different voices. And so I think we have a long way to go and it's it's a continual task to be working on. But knowing that at least, you know, I, I know many of us, all of us probably here are working towards doing better at it is a, a important, at least starter step towards doing better. Since you brought up Whitney, I, we're plugging her podcast as well, yes. the Academes podcast, which is a, a fantastic podcast it's one I I listen to every episode just to answer your question specifically to to our podcast because I think it is it's a really important question one of the ways I think in which we exclude some of the voices in the field of, of epidemiologic methods is by limiting ourselves in, in terms of what we consider to be methods and so I think that is something that we are trying to be very conscious of and thinking more broadly about what we consider to be epi methods so that we get a, ver- a more diverse view of perspectives but as Haley says we are only at the beginnings of this and it's going to take a a lot of work. Yeah, and it's work we should all want to do. Yes. So I think that there's been some stuff written about using the word work as to describe this because it is a privilege, right? That we we need to be taking advantage of. Yeah. I'll say we're tied to the American Journal of Epidemiology and I know that just this is a broad question about who's getting published and who's submitting to AJE and sort of thinking about all different dimensions of diversity that are being covered there and, you know, how to be able to collect that information and then what to do with it once you have the information. So I think there's so many different pieces of it that are really important that we are getting the voices in the case of a journal, getting the voices published that are representative of the of the general community, but then also just that the general community that you're targeting is also representative, you know, sort of getting all of those different angles, I think is really crucial. One thing that came up recently in thinking about this was there's that NIH study that was looking at 
uh, funding by, it, I think it looked at funding by race, and you know, it found that in particular, one of the findings at least was that uh, African-American or black researchers were less, like, had lower funding rates than other researchers. And then it sort of dove into the fact that this also was driven by the area of research for each of these groups. And it was, you know, so what it highlighted for me is kind of just what Matt was talking about, that being able to make sure that when what we consider like diversity of topic also is going to help increase our diversity across like different sectors because we do naturally gravitate towards certain groups based on our kind of backgrounds like I think another one that's predominantly female oriented is like maternity maternity and prenatal uh, and also just obstetrics so women's health in general is generally you know female dominated in the epi world and that can sometimes you know if that doesn't get as much attention that can also drive different levels of diversity and so anyways just highlighting that this is something that's been studied and hopefully I'm hoping the epic community will continue to study it kind of in their sector as well. What you also said just reminded me also of the importance of diversity in career stage, which I know we, we talked about earlier, but one example that jumps to my mind is Louisa Smith, who um, as a, I'm a selection bias person and some of she, I believe is a doctoral student, but some of her writings on selection bias are so fantastic. So good. Well, all of them that I've read are so fantastic. I, you know, not some of them, but the fact that she is an early career researcher has no bearing on the expertise mm-hmm. that she brings to a, certainly a podcast format as much as somebody who has been in the field for, for 40 years and has a totally different set of expertise. So I think diversity is a term that sometimes is used in one way, but it, it means a much broader set of, of criteria, which I think is something that we all have thought of in the past. I will say that um, the format of, of my podcast, of the Epi Counts podcast, from the very beginning was intended to give that co-host spot to early stage investigators, um, more diverse voices. So the whole reason I, you know, I sometimes lament what Matt and Haley have. They get this co-host thing where they can build this rapport and this dynamic, and, and I, I get a little jealous of that. But at the same time, I'm very happy that we open up this co-host spot for, literally, we have PhD students that, can, that host. And anyone who's listening to this, I I really encourage you, if you have a topic that you're interested in, reach out to me because I I don't think I've said no to anyone who's wanted to co-host the podcast, honestly. So, and we, when we think of people that would be good co-hosts, Sue and Matt and I are um, very cognizant that we're, we're, we're trying to have a diverse voices and, and get as many different stages and types of people as we can into that co-host spot. And so that's something that maybe we're not doing as good a job as we, we could, and we but we have that as a goal. I think one way to increase diversity is to talk to other people and say, hey, do you know anyone? And do they know someone? And then it just all starts snowballing from there. And you're like, geez, why didn't I know about all these amazing people before? Like, yeah, I mean, that's really heartening to hear as well, that all of you are taking such an active role in amplifying more diverse voices. And I think that's an awesome place to stop. Thank you so much for giving me the privilege of emceeing this. This was awesome. I'm going to hand it over to Matt to wrap it up and and bring us home. Well, for, I just want to say a huge thank you, Gitika, to you for being willing to do this. I do Yay. I do have to ask you before we go here, you appear to be in a closet. Is that correct? I'm, I'm in my closet. You're, this is my husband's side. This is my husband's side. Okay, so am I seeing a bathrobe back there? Oh, no, it's right here, Matt. Okay, because you for those of you who don't know what we're referring to, listen to Lisa's interview with Gitika. You will understand my newfound obsession with bathrobes. But just a huge thank you to you for doing this. Thank you. Thank you to all of uh, everyone here who's been willing to spend the time and, and chat about this stuff. Hopefully, if you're listening, you're interested in podcasts and you will go out and download each of our podcasts. And anyone who's interested in starting their own podcast, let us know. And once again, thank you to SER for the idea to do this. And to everyone who's listening who's going to SER, we hope you have a great week. Yeah. We miss seeing you. We miss the dance party. We miss we miss it all, man. And the learning. And and, and the, the learning. learning. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.